Hello and welcome to Women Who Protect, a monthly series as part of the Ontic Protective Intelligence podcast. In a profession largely dominated by men, we spotlight women working in a wide range of positions within security, protection, and law enforcement. We will hear their stories, discuss their accomplishments, and also seek their advice for women and girls who might be interested in a career in protection or security. I'm Dr. Marisa Randazzo with Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. After nearly three decades of experience working in security and protection, as the chief research psychologist at the U.S. Secret Service, and then in the private sector, providing security guidance to corporations, educational institutions, and high-profile individuals, I know firsthand the immense value that women bring to this field. And I know the challenges that we face. I look forward to sharing with you the stories of women who protect and hope they inspire other women and girls to consider joining our ranks. Now, on to the podcast. Sandy Perez serves as the lead intelligence analyst for Alcon, the global leader in eye care. Sandy is responsible for developing the strategic intelligence program and enhancing Alcon's global security, proactive and predictive analysis capabilities. Sandy brings a breadth of analytical experience collaborating with local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies in the public safety and threat assessment arenas with focus areas in counterterrorism, critical infrastructure, data analytics, and open source intelligence methodology. She received her Bachelor of Arts in English with a history minor from Texas State University and is a proud Austin native. Sandy, welcome to Women Who Protect. It's wonderful to have you with us and thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I want to start out a little bit first with um, just what is your current position? Okay. Um, Yeah. So as the lead intelligence analyst at Alcon, um, I do provide a range of products, um, you know, business impact analysis. Sometimes uh, my daily duties can involve uh, what we refer to as due diligence or um, somewhat like a background screening um, there's, a, you know, I have a huge part in executive protection, travel security, and uh, geopolitical awareness has played a huge role um, in my position. I'm responsible for the strategic intel program um, at Alcon and building that program up. And um, I'm working, I work very closely with the Global Security Operations Center operators that will, uh, in 2023, they'll be watch officers. And I'm working on the watch officer certification program. So a lot is just going into enhancing um, our proactive and predictive intelligence uh, with global security at Alcon. That's fascinating. Uh, tell me a little bit about, um, just for, for listeners who may not be familiar with what an intelligence analyst is or what they do, there's so much that that it sounds like that you're involved in. Can you explain kind of in in sort of simplistic terms, you know, if if someone were to ask you a a young woman, a, a girl who's interested in this field were to ask you like what what does it mean to be an intelligence analyst? What would you tell them? 
I like to compare uh, intel- being an intelligence analyst to kind of being like the resource librarian. You're the, you know, you're the front uh, resource, basically. You're for pretty much everything. I've done everything from kind of IT support. Um, I work in collaboration with IT, um, obviously using Ontic database administration, kind of the OSINT, open source intelligence side of things. So it kind of runs the gamut. Um, You are developing products. You are aware of, uh, always aware of like the audience of your product. Um, But primarily we're just trying to stay proactive instead of reactive um, to threat incidents uh, or potential threat actors that might, uh, you know, threaten the security of our assets, associates, um, executive leadership. That, so first of all, I love that explanation and, and the analogy of resource librarian, because I think that really helps to put a framework on this. Um, in in my time at the U.S. Secret Service, the intelligence analysts there were really kind of, the, they were the underpinning for so much of the protective operations. It, they were the ones who had the information, just as you were describing, and, and would put it into usable products. Um, as you're talking about keeping your audience in mind, how how do you do that? How do you take raw information and put it into a form that can be used for protection and, and used for security in this sort of predictive and proactive approach that you're talking about? Uh, well, I think I've been pretty fortunate because obviously experience helped me. I've kind of, you know, as far as my experience, I've I've been working with law side by side with law enforcement for 23 years. I've been an analyst for eight of those years. So I've had a lot of experience on the different types of products, um, you know, PowerPoint versus a dashboard versus a written product, a threat assessment. So um, when I came to Alcon, I was new to the private sector and I really just reached out to my leadership to kind of find out, you know, I can give you a template. I can give you uh, what I think you want, but, you know, please guide me. And what really helped, um, which I think is kind of funny is that my, my manager was, you know, he often would return my product and say, so what, what is the, so what of this product? <laughs> and it's, it's funny because that's really like ingrained in me now when I write the product. Um, but that mentorship and that coaching was really helpful for me when I was developing the product to understand not just what my audience needs, but specific to to Alcon. What do we need? That is uh, incredibly instructive, and I also could think, if I were in your position, I might be a little rattled by getting that feedback from a mentor. <laughs> no, he was very gentle about it, but it, he was, you know, always focused on the so what. What is the impact? And um, I kind of use that as like a mental tool for myself. Okay, what's the so what in this product? Why do you know why am I writing this? I could develop a product, I could write all day, but uh, you know, putting kind of like the bottom line up front is really important. Mm, right. Sort of the, the the why do I need to know this or or what do I need to do with it or or why should I care aspect of it, right? Yes, definitely. The executive summary is uh the our bread and butter in the corporate world. You mentioned starting out that Alcon was your first position in the private sector. So I would love to hear about how you even got into this field. And, and I believe you were in, in um, a couple of different law enforcement agencies uh, initially. So how did you even get started in this field? 
Um, so I would say it's like my Alcon is my first official foray into uh, the private sector. I did um, work. I was contracted um, at a previous position uh, by an analytical. I guess they basically provided intel analysts to different eight law enforcement agencies, um, but not. I didn't have the same kind of corporate integration the way I do with Alcon. Um, so I kind of, to kind of backtrack, I got into, I guess, the field of protection and security um, quite by accident. Um, I was actually going to school and positions in law enforcement just allow for schedules that are conducive to complete your education. Um, uh-huh. yep. So, so I, I kind of worked in a lot of, you know, with a lot of law enforcement agencies while I was attending school. And I kind of learned the jargon and uh, found that I was addicted to the, you know, the action and the public safety aspect of the job. Yeah. Um, so, you know, worked at the Texas Fusion Center and eventually I just decided to take a risk. And that's when I got recruited by that um, corporate entity that sent me to the Seattle area. And there I was able to kind of really use the tools previous mentors and thought leaders had equipped me with to train others and develop their crime analysis program. Um, In a subsequent job, I was able to enhance my strategic intel skills. And so my current position feels like a culmination of those skills. I get to practice them every day, but um, it was all driven by like a servant leadership mentality that I already possess, like a drive to serve my community or organization. And I love hearing that that you found yourself addicted to the mission of of law enforcement and the action, and and um, and yet you kind of got into this field by accident. In a number of the interviews we've done for this podcast, I've heard this from women in, in all different positions of insecurity and in protection of really getting into the field initially by accident, or it wasn't what they thought they wanted to do, and then finding that. They love it and and really is similarly to how you're describing it, learning different skills in different positions and then finding a position later in their career that really feels like this culmination. So it's it's fascinating to hear you talk about it the same way. Yeah. And I think that the other the other aspect to this is that when I was in school, um, you know, intelligence analysis, I mean, I think I think the closest you could get as far as you know, a degree close to the bachelor's degree to that was maybe interdisciplinary studies or global affairs. So intelligence analysis is like a position wasn't really even fusion centers, you know, wasn't even present until after nine 11 um, fusion centers will of, often teach you the history. And, you know, that's where it kind of came from after nine 11, we needed this integrated uh, fusion center, you know, to have all these agencies so that we could, do this intelligence sharing. So I think also that might be a factor that it just didn't exist um, until recently. For listeners who aren't familiar, can you explain a little bit more about what fusion centers do kind of who, who sits in them? I know they're different, may be different, you know, sort of state by state or region by region, but I think it would be helpful to kind of hear your perspective about what agencies are represented, how they share information, what the, what the whole point is. Sure. Uh, fusion centers are are basically exactly like the name. They have local, state, and federal agencies within them. Every state has one. 
um, you know, Texas has a huge one. Generally, you'll have like DHS, um, FBI, uh, liaisons, uh, D, you know, DEA. It just really depends on the needs of the state. Um, but we try to work with local entities, state entities, so that there's just this constant cycle of information sharing. And really trying to prevent the um, the sort of silo experience or stovepiping of information that we saw prior to 9-11, um, where different agencies had different information but didn't have a, a mechanism for sharing it as readily and, and weren't able to kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together. So it's very helpful to have that explanation. Um, tell me a bit about, you were mentioning kind of transitioning from these different public sector positions to your private sector position. What what have you found um, in that transition? Uh, things that are good, things that were easy, things that surprised you? I'd love to hear that. Initially, um, it was a daunting transition because of the unknowns. Um, as I mentioned before, I'd only dabbled in the private sector world. And, um, you know, I was moving to a new area. I was leaving my home in Austin, having to learn the geography, trying to understand what executive protection was, what kind of products would be expected or requested. Um, I was also told that the position may not be as sexy as the gritty crime and investigations I was used to seeing every day. So, um, but that was a sacrifice I was willing to make to relocate closer to family. So, um, but none of that turned out to be true. Uh, my job has been exciting. My geopolitical and cultural awareness enhanced, uh, the collaboration with local and global partners is exciting. Um, mentors and leaders that coached me through this transition really helped me adapt or become alchemized, as we say. We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, I wanted to tell you a little about Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. In a world of safety, security, and protection, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial. That's why we created the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. The center is a trusted resource for those in the security, safety, and protection communities. We share strategies and best practices, insights on current and historical trends, and lessons learned through dialogue, discourse, and alternative analysis for some of the industry's top practitioners. To find blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more, check out the center by visiting ontic.co slash center. That's ontic.co slash center. You've talked an, a lot about how different mentors have helped you out along the way. Is this advice that you have actively sought out? Like, do you look for a mentor in each position? Or tell me how you go about that. Um, sometimes it's been accidental. Um, in my in my current position, we also do um, investigations, and I did. Uh, you know, a colleague just kind of took me under his wing and mentored me through that process. Um, a lot of times, uh, my leadership has has done that. Even as I have been introduced into uh, more leadership type roles, um, you know, I'm starting to learn more about like coaching and mentoring and. Um, not just the words leadership. I'm starting to hear the words coaching and meant this is a coachable moment, things like that. So um, some of this stuff kind of happened by accident. I will say that 
um, it was more formulaic in the fusion center environment because, you know, when you first start, you're actually given a mentor, um, when you, when you first start out in the watch center or whichever role that you start out in. And, um, so you're kind of given a mentor to help you, but then other analysts step up and some analysts are good at OSINT. Some analysts are good at, uh, workup. Some are good at writing. Um, so you just kind of pick up skills and people that you look up to and inspire you and, and teach you the path of the analyst. And, um, I've just been really lucky that I've had a lot of good ones that have fallen into my path, you know? So, but I think at Alcon, it was a little bit different because I was the, um, you know, their first Alcon's for Intel analyst. And so there wasn't another analyst to refer to at the time. So everybody on my team was very collaborative and helped show me the ropes of the corporate world and, um, just kind of like expectations and, you know, feedback peer review on my products was huge as well. So it just kind of was a happy accident that it happened that way. But it also sounds incredibly helpful. And, and it sounds like, as you were saying, um, you know, taking your example from the fusion center, and then it sounds like a similar experience you've had at, at Alcon that it's been you know different people, not just one mentor, that have helped with different aspects of your job and and skill development and strengthening your your own role there. Yeah, and definitely asking questions. I mean, as the new person, you're always going to be the one that's, you know, you think you're asking too many questions, but um, gauging how nobody told me to stop or anything like that, I think <laughs> they were they were pretty open, you know, with you know, ask what you need and. Um, you know, it, it made the team look good as a whole. So that was kind of the, um, I guess the, the, the intention there was, so yeah, I asked a lot of questions. I networked, I reached out to other analysts, especially like on LinkedIn, I would reach out to other analysts that had already had the corporate experience. Uh, when I went to the Ontic summit last year, I, you know, did a lot of outreach there as well to just kind of figure out like, you know, what did, what did you do? What kind of products have you developed? Um, and everybody's been very collaborative. So I love that you emphasized asking questions and you kept doing it because no one told you to, to stop. I, it's so important. And I have heard this um, with so many of the guests we've had a chance to talk with on this podcast, the importance of asking questions even when they think they're the only person in the room with that question. Um, and, and I think it's so important as we look at skill development for anyone in the field of, of security and intelligence, it, if you have any question at all, it, it, it's so important to ask, A, because chances are high you're not the only person who has that question. You're just the only person speaking up. <laughs> but B, I've also heard it. it's important for the people you're asking of, the, the leadership or whoever you're asking a question of, to make sure that they're explaining information clearly and to remind them that not everyone in the room may know exactly what they're talking about. So it, it, I've heard about it sort of on, on, from two different angles, but I love that you underscored that as well. And, and I especially love that you keep asking because no one's told you to stop. I think that's a great, a great life lesson to live by. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would love to get your thoughts on ways that we can encourage women and girls to, to get into this field. So 
um, you are the first intelligence analyst we've had a chance to talk to. And, you know, you were mentioning a couple of couple minutes ago about how when you were coming up the ranks, there really was no kind of former formal educational program, college major you could take, anything like that. Um, would love your thoughts from where you sit now in your career. How would you encourage young women, women who would be looking at a, a career change, young women looking to get into the field, even girls uh, who might be interested in this, what would you tell them in terms of guidance, encouragement, where to get started, any of that advice? Um, well, first and foremost, I would probably say stay curious, um, ask questions, ask the type of questions I'm being asked today uh, from men or women in the field uh, that are already in protection, whether it be at a summit, via LinkedIn, a team member that you work with ask about their journey into protection and compare contrast to your own plans to see if it aligns with your own vision for your career journey. Um, I recently had uh, one of our, you know, global security operations center operators, our GSOC operator. He was curious about going back to school, kind of wanted to know, you know, how can I, I love what you do. I love the training we've already had. What can I do? And I kind of almost kind of like an admissions counselor, you know, an academic advisor, I kind of walked him through, well, what are your goals? What do you want to do? What do you like about the intel? Like from the training that we've done, what is your favorite part? And then I just kind of guided him. And of course, uh, you know, for him or any of the other operators, anybody that I train or encounter, um, especially women, my goal is, um, you know, cause we've been few and far between in this field. So I am very, I always try to encourage them. I try to let them know the experience, I share my experiences and just kind of have a really good dialogue with them about what are their, what do they want for their future? What are their goals? And then just try to say, well, this is kind of, you know, what worked for me. This is how I started. You don't have to take the long route. You know, I went through law enforcement I mean, I feel like I've done every position, <laughs> like dispatch, <laughs> everything except officer, you know, I've done office clerk dispatching. I mean, you name it, I've, I've kind of been ingrained in those roles and it, that doesn't necessarily have to be that way for everybody. Um, I kind of, I also try to highlight the expertise that they already bring to the table because a lot of times they don't even think, you know, they think, okay, I've got to go and you know, go to college and do four years. And it just feels so daunting to them. And I'm kind of like, yeah. actually, you've already been doing Intel. You're, you're doing the critical thinking right now. Um, so I just encourage them and highlight their existing experience as well. So I definitely say those stay curious, try to take trainings, but um, you know, if you want to save on money or you don't want to pursue a program and then have to stop halfway, reach out to somebody who's already gone through it. I love the stay curious guidance. I think that's fantastic. I want to put that on a, a, like a plaque in my office. <laughs> like a t-shirt. <laughs> t-shirt. Exactly. Exactly. I think we have a product line here. Um, tell me a bit, do you think it's possible for analysts to go directly into the private sector? I mean, you came from, from public sector, multiple law enforcement agencies in, in different positions there. Is it possible to go right into the private sector and, and any guidance you'd have there? Absolutely. I think um, just kind of what I've learned from jobs, you know, across across the board, um, sometimes you're in a better position to get a job uh, 
in the private sector, you know, right out of college or, you know, from wherever you're coming from, because you're a clean slate. You know, you haven't developed any of those bad habits from like a previous agency or or something like that. You know, you're, you're, you're tabula rasa all the way. We can just go straight. You know, you can be um, indoctrinated into their system, whichever corporation it is very easily. I think it would be easier for them that way. I, I, I think that's incredibly helpful. Um, are you open to people reaching out to you on, on LinkedIn to ask questions and, and connect that way? Absolutely. Yeah. I've actually had a few, um, a few folks already reach out, uh, just in general, they see, you know, that I'm in the DFW area and Intel. And so they reach out or they ask questions. Um, so absolutely. And then are you part of any professional associations? In threat assessment, there are a couple of different professional associations for threat assessment practitioners and, and threat assessment analysts, but but more so for intelligence analysts general, generally. Any professional associations you're part of or, or that you'd recommend? So there are several that I'm exploring uh, right now. I think when I came on board, uh, my primary goal was to kind of like develop the resources and to start up this program. So that's kind of fallen on the back burner, admittedly. Um, but I know, uh, you know, every time Ontic has a training and, you know, the Sigma threat assessment training, any of that, you know, I'm, I'm always signing up for those webinars, um, as is Arab. Those are, those are pretty huge. Um, anything for me, I think it just depends on what your focus area is. Like I would be more interested in one that was like a threat assessment or criminology profiling uh, lean to it. I would, uh, that's just me personally. Um, but I can say that my primary sources, you know, have been range Stratford, uh, sometimes Reuters, <laughs> things, things like that. I've, I've been pretty reliant on those sources to kind of guide me it, when it came to, when it's come to my products. You mentioned, um, as is American Society for Industrial Security, Arab is for Protective Intelligence, a, a newer organization, but but they're great as well. So all of these, I think, are, are incredibly helpful for people to know about. We have local chapters. Um, you just reminded me, actually, we do utilize OSAC, DSAC, uh, NFTA. I believe it's NFTA. So we have a you know, variety of sources. Um for me personally, as the Intel analyst, I don't think I've utilized ASIS too much, but I know, like I said, I've Arab and some of those other organizations I'm going to be researching in 2023 um, to kind of, again, I just, I want to make sure that I'm getting like the, the benefit from, from the group, the trainings, things like that. So some research has to be conducted, but <laughs> if you have any, please send them. There you go. Well, you're you're using the skills of your job. You're you're researching and figuring out the so what of all these different professional associations to figure out the the best fit. Um, the uh, the one I'd also want to throw in for your consideration too, and um, is uh, ATAP, which is the um, Association of Threat Assessment Professionals. So, yes, yeah, I actually did that one. I think Arup and ATAP will probably be primary for me because I'm more focused on uh, the threat assessment side of side of things but um yeah the research as i'm developing this program part of my responsibility will also be you know if we onboard another analyst developing the training program for them as well that'll be something i look forward to in 2023 yeah oh that sounds fascinating i have loved hearing your perspective 
on getting into the field accidentally, looking for mentors, asking questions because no one told you to stop, developing skill sets all along the way. It is it is fascinating because I think so many people assume that professionals within security and protection have had a purposeful path from start to finish. And my experience was not that way. Your experience has not been that way. For so many women we've had a chance to talk with on this program, it has been circuitous, accidental, uh, an opportunity they they decided to take on a whim. It's been fascinating to hear about your journey and your story and all the work that, that you're doing now. So I just want to thank you for sharing your time and, and your perspective and your expertise today and, and just appreciate the chance to talk. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co slash center. Again, that's ontic.co slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music is a track called Roll the Dice and was written by Mark Wallach. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcasts at ontic.co or visit ontic.co slash center for more information. Thanks for listening.